Is on Thursday, my friends. It's coming up. Now, what's been plaguing the Brewers? I mean, we were really pissed off at the Brewers a couple years ago uh, when they fired, was it Andy Haynes? The Brewers would either hit a home run or strike out. Were we pissed off? Whether they fired him? or No, that they didn't fire him oh, soon enough. yeah. And then it's like, all right, well, Brewers, what, last year, Rowdy, they were one of the... Were they top five in home runs? Yes. And they were actually top ten in runs. Yeah. I mean, the Brewers... They scored the 10th most runs. What happens in baseball now? It's either the she-gone movement. You either hit a home run or you strike out. Mm-hmm. Rowdy, when the home run came to be, though, or not came to be, when home run came back in a big way, when was it and what happened? Steroids. Basically the 90s and early 2000s. That's when you had your home run chases. That was Mark McGuire. That was Sammy Sosa. That was Barry Bonds. That was when there was definitely no steroids in baseball. None. Hmm. Not According at all. to Bud Seeley. No steroids at all. In fact, they we would did. be like, there would be like crazy things happening and all of a sudden they'd have to break into programming just to show Barry Bonds on the chase or Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. Like, we gotta cut to this and show you another home run in baseball, baby. So, Everyone's like, yes, yes, yes. They yes. created like Slugfest and High Heat Baseball where the, the guys even in the video game back then in the early juiced 2000s the were like huge their juiced, Yeah, they were huge <laughs> juiced blobs on the screen. Yeah, I thought it was because they drink milk. Dude, when you got milk, I was just McGuire. Would you go back and you watch some of the, you know, like the highlights and some of the home runs that were hit by these guys? Mark McGuire was a monster. <laughs> he was, dude, his forearms <laughs> like the size of my thighs. Yeah. <laughs> like he looked what? like he was powerlifting every single day, like, no, and then he baseball. decided to go play baseball and took a bat, could hit it a mile. It's like Ronnie Coleman out there wanted to like go hit some home runs. <laughs> like he was yeah, huge, and then compare him, compare him to like the because clearly there are bigger guys today. Like you talk about it every single year, like DJ LeMahieu, who now plays for the Yankees. But when he was playing second base with the Rockies, he's a six foot four second baseman or, or you got like the Troy Tulowitzki's of the world playing shortstop at six foot four. Carlos Correa, six, four at shortstop. Like the, some of the guys are physically getting bigger. Seven foot at shortstop. Yeah. (laughs) O'Neill Cruz, six foot seven plus, but it's like the guys are physically getting bigger at these positions and can show you that. That, uh, you know, even if you are a certain size, you're not necessarily stuck at a certain position. But nobody looks like what Mark McGuire and all those guys <laughs> looked like back then. And now I'm talking about even some of the massive, bigger players of today. They they don't look physically as hulking. Just as his Mark forearms. McGuire. You're like, I didn't know veins existed there on his forearm. Like, you know how people get the bicep vein? He had like forearm veins. I was like, what the hell's going on here? But yeah, steroids never happened in baseball. Never happened. Until they did. Yeah. But who benefited the most from the steroid use? Baseball. Bud Selig in Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball. Like, they 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 brought it in big time. Selig, what, tried to sweep it under the rug. And uh, listen, could you say that it saved baseball? Well, yeah. not only did you it could. save baseball because those home run chases obviously got people interested, got people excited, but then there are people... Uh, maybe some on this show that say we should bring steroids back into baseball. That's me. <laughs> so clearly <laughs> if some people are more interested in baseball when there were steroids and home runs in it. Clearly that's what brought it back with when baseball was kind of on the fritz. But now 
like you say, I mean, it turns into strikeout, 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 occasional home run, another home run, and all you're watching is a ball fly really far one time every once in a while, yeah. or a lot of guys strike out and walk back to the dugout, and it's become a boring product. Yeah. Like, baseball, uh, this is probably the most boring baseball has ever been to watch, and when games were three and a half hours, people are like, man... Is this over yet? This game (laughs) feels super long, even though the average NFL football game or college football game is longer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And all of the home run strikeout, some of the ways that they have obviously handled pitchers in the last decade, it all stems from analytics and statistics and nerds. Yeah. (laughs) Basically, advanced statistics and analytics and what is better computing with zeros and ones to put more runs on the board, to be as successful scoring runs as possible. And it might have elevated some of the scoring or some of the stats, but it's become more boring to watch. Well, in the nineties, Rowdy, like when steroids were, you know, or milk, we'll call it milk for this purposes. Milk was uh, got milk was in his full campaign, and they're hitting home runs. It wasn't everyone hitting home runs like it's everyone trying to hit home runs now, is it? Like you had people playing complimentary baseball around the home run hitters, did you not? Yeah. Well, clearly, yeah. Because I mean, when you look, dude, you should look at Sammy Sosa or even Barry Bonds. I'm actually looking at pictures of Barry Bonds right now, like before <laughs> and after. I am. It's like, awesome. You can you can get into the debate with like a super old timer that says Barry Bonds should be kicked out and blackballed from baseball, and he doesn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Then you can get the new age people that are more like, oh, I think all steroids should be legal. Like there's completely two ends yeah. of the spectrum. Bro still had to do it. I, I don't believe that they should be legal, but I also believe that Bonds and some of those guys should be in the Hall of Fame because it was literally an era of baseball that occurred. Yeah, baseball loves their history, so put an asterisk next and, to it. And then you sit there and say, here's the steroid wing. Yeah, here's the steroid era. Like, everyone knows what it was and what it is. But you can look at guys that were playing the same time that Bonds, that McGuire, and that Sosa, who are these hulking individuals. And there's more that clearly use steroids. Those are just the three faces, yeah, right? Those are the, yeah. But then there are other guys that were quite good. They still looked like the 80s and 70s, 80s and 90s players that were quite skinny. Yep. But yet they were damn good at baseball. Yeah. And maybe they, like you said, they weren't the guys that hit 60 home runs. Yeah. They might only hit 10 or 15. But, like, I don't think anyone confused, like, a guy, for example, such as Wade Boggs as a huge steroid guy. He just had the dad bod. (laughs) That's a guy that was drinking beer. He didn't look like he lifted a weight in his life. No, he just lifted a wood bat. What, he drinking how many beers on that plane ride that they tried to uh, reenact? 12 ounce curls, baby. First it started out at like 30. Then it somehow got to like 60, and then it was like 100. Yeah. So and it wasn't that long of a plane ride. It's okay. like, I think it was three hours. Yeah. So in the nineties, I mean, it was exciting because you had guys like hitting home runs and you tune in, but guys around them played complimentary baseball. Now, Rowdy, I mean, literally everyone strikes out. Well, now like, this oh. is a little bit of an overreaction, but would there really even be room in today's baseball for Tony Gwynn? I mean, one of honestly one of the best purest hitters of all time because he didn't hit the home run. Well, I, I still think there would be because. You know, before this year, it's still a guy who could probably hit around the shift 
and be able to get on base. And yeah, he probably wouldn't have scored as many runs as he did because the guy behind him probably striking out. But like he could still be on there for average and do all that because that's the part of baseball that has been lost. And that's why the shift started is because, oh, don't worry, this guy can't really hit. He can just hit it in certain directions. So we're going to guard that. I actually don't think the shift is going to have as much of an impact on a lot of these guys than it it is supposed to. Yeah. Because when you think about it, this shouldn't. I hear so many people say, oh, Christian Yelich is going to get back to the 2018-19 version of Christian Yelich. They they don't have the shift anymore. They don't have this. It's like, well, Christian Yelich sprayed the ball all over the field. He was putting it in the left field seats, the right field seats when he was on. Mm -hmm. Christian Yelich isn't a straight pole hitter. Christian Yelich actually... When he's going right, he's taking the ball the opposite field. Like he's spraying it. Like I don't think this really makes Christian Yelich any better. The guys that it's going to actually make better are the guys that look exactly like Rowdy Telez. It's the bigger hulking power hitters that when you see them hit the baseball, most of the time it goes to their pull field. Mm-hmm. Those are the only guys that it will help. And and that is just for what it's going to essentially take away are those hard hit balls. And by the way, those are only going to be singles most of the time. And no one has talked about the fact that if you really wanted to, like say you got a, a, a huge pull hitter, all he ever does is, is take it to, we'll say if he's a, a lefty to the right side of the infield, like if we're talking about a Rowdy Telez. All you have to do is take the left fielder and throw him into short right center field, almost as if he's a rover in softball. Mm-hmm. There's no rule yeah. about the outfielders Correct. moving positions, like almost playing only two-thirds of the outfield. There's no rule. The rule is you can't have three guys on one side of, of uh, second base. Three you infielders. Could, yeah, three yeah. infielders <laughs> on second base. So you could, in theory... Have your first baseman play where he normally does. Mm -hmm. Shift your second baseman over. And then have your shortstop pretty much standing behind second base. Yeah. Tell me if that's really going to change a ton of things. So much. like (laughs) So much. Especially if you take your left fielder over (laughs) and throw him in right center. That's not going to change a whole lot. What? Maybe once in a while an extra hit will get in there, but you're almost essentially covering the same field. Right. I, I don't think the shift is going to have as much impact as some people think because well, there's ways around it. Are we do well? Where this conversation started, are we going to start moving back to small ball, or is it going to keep? We're going to dig deeper into the she gone movement. Hit a home run or strike out. She gone. I don't think baseball will not deeper. will not be fun again until. And this is the craziest thing about it. When you watch some of these guys today and you you watch some of the old old film of like guys from the the twenties, the thirties, the forties, you know, you can go all the way up, right? There's no way that with weight training, with the evolution of just people getting bigger, stronger, and faster, with nutrition, with all of that stuff. That these guys aren't, and the fact that they they work on themselves and their games and their bodies all year round instead of working jobs mm-hmm. and, and stuff. <laughs> like, there's no way that if you watch those old films and you watch today that these guys are worse athletes. They're all better. They're right. all bigger, stronger, faster. Now, that being said, 
when you look at some of the hand-eye coordinations and some of the times and the data that they can get because of the improvement of science and statistics and analytics, they know more than they've ever have, and they can get it all into zeros and ones, and it's very straightforward, easy-to-understand information. Everything is is set up to be easier and more simple for these guys to be good, but at the same time, they don't have any of the fundamentals. They can't bunt. They can't hit the ball the nope. other way. And it, and it's not that they can't do it. I should I should rephrase that. It's not that they can't do it. It's that they don't do it. And nobody teaches it. Yeah. Because the movement of baseball is home run, strikeout, big, you know, big hits. It's it's not about station to station anymore cuz the analytics and the numbers say that's not as efficient as long ball strikeouts, mm. but it's boring and yeah. it's changed how guys like you can't tell me some of these guys and you watch them, how they handle bats couldn't hit the ball the other way. Right. And then you have guys like that, you know, are sitting there and they'll just tell you, well, you know, we don't really practice that. So we're not going to ask them to do it. <laughs> yeah. They, I guarantee you any guy that has the hand eye coordination to go up at the big league level and hit those curveballs hit those sliders hit those 100 mile an hour fastballs i guarantee you he's got the ability to bunt it yeah he they just don't work on it no the game has changed I mean, they really make it hard to play the hat game at at uh baseball games they totally do yeah because <laughs> i mean the pot gets so large and then somebody ultimately wins it because one guy hits all night. <laughs> yeah, opening day, Thursday. We'll continue the baseball conversation um, first you know, up against the break. But line one, thanks for waiting on hold. Who's this? Corey. Corey. <laughs> I, knew, I knew it was Corey. Thanks for waiting on hold, brother. What's going on, man? I wanted to listen to the dissertation there, so I appreciate that, Rowdy. Um, question I would have, has anybody done that type of shifting at the outfield this spring? I can't say that. I can't say that I've watched a ton of minor league baseball. I'll be honest. It's probably the, or not minor league, but spring training baseball. It's probably the least I've watched it move probably in a decade, just because I do have a little bit of a, you know, sour taste in my mouth with what happened with the Brewers at the end of last season. But I have not noticed anybody doing that yet. But then who's to say that after a month or two, they finally say, you know what, let's try this. More to be revealed then. So you mentioned Sosa and uh, McGuire, and that piqued the memory I had because you guys are probably a little young and you remember this, but this was right during the heyday of, like, uh, pro-hormones and using Andro. And I remember mm-hmm. when there was a one interview that McGuire was doing, and they're like, oh, what's that bottle that's in your locker? He said, oh, that's just my Andro scene. And everybody's like, what is that? Oh, it's just a pro-hormone bull bond. I remember a, do- a buddy of mine I used to work out with quite a bit, and He's got like a Ronnie Coleman train, like he lives heavyweight. And he was maybe into more nefarious things, let's put it that way. Ball bodybuilding. And he's like, Oh yeah, he's juicing. I'm like, You think so? He's like, Oh yeah. He's like, You don't get that bulked up by being by just taking Andro and drinking milk. He's like, he's definitely you usually can tell who's natty or not. Also carry like okay. For a while in uh, Major League Baseball, I believe that was legal. Yeah, yeah. And Andrew then was. Yeah. the Andrew was, of course. Yeah. That's why he got away with that. I was like, oh, well, I might check this stuff out myself. Try it out. Really didn't work that well, to be honest. And Depends I, what cycle, so I, cycle you're on. That's when I was listening to my buddy. I was like, yeah, you, you make a lot. 
that makes a lot of sense because then you look at them, like you mentioned, from like the late 80s, like Jose Canseco, McGuire, Barry Bonds, and they look like a typical, like they look like Ken Griffey Jr. looked his whole career. Now Ken the, Griffey Jr. was a pure hitter. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you know. The one thing I'd say about McGuire, though, is he at least had a frame where if he got big into like lifting, he could have really gotten thick. But like some but of the did. other some of the other guys, I mean, they they went from being pipsqueaks to huge. Yeah, that's true. And then I know you're up against break evil, so I just got one analogy to make here. You know, you're talking about Rogers yeah, and uh, Ludacoons. Yeah, it feels a bit like um, <laughs> I don't know if you'll get this analogy or not. I think you probably will. This feels like watching Walter White and Gus Spring battling out <laughs> and manipulate Jesse Pinkman. Yeah, and um, each side is trying to manipulate. The narrative that they want oh, yeah. us as Jesse Pinkman to believe. So my take on this, and I'll let you get going, is Gutekunst, I think, uh, really actually confirmed what Rogers was saying by what he said yesterday, um, because he kind of expounded a little bit more on what Rogers said. So that's kind of my take on it. Well, Corey, not, who's, uh, who's the one who knocks? Who is the danger? Is Who's <laughs> Gus Fring and who's Walter White? Well, that's always the question, isn't it? Is Rogers the and one who knocks, or is Brad Gutekunst the one who knocks? I think he's kind of the one who knocks is uh, Rogers because he seems a little bit more carefree. Yeah, let's put it that way, and with nothing to lose. Do you think Rogers Whereas, is going to go up to Goody and be like, "Say my name"? Say my name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're, you're Aaron. Or he's going to lure him into a nursing home with bad results. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Right. <laughs> that's Mark Murphy. Mark yeah, Murphy that's Mark Murphy. Is, uh, is uh, is the uncle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, and I got one. Actually, one more thing yeah, to say. Yeah, yeah. Is Mark Murphy's the one that kind of screwed this whole thing up by coming out like Howdy Doody <laughs> yeah, a couple <laughs> weeks ago? <laughs> you know, he used to be a player because I would think at that time, if he hadn't said open his big fat yap on <laughs> on state broadcast TV and started spawning off about where they were, Rogers, and just and he had kept to the milk toast line. We would still be trying to figure out where they were going. And I'll say this for, in Gutekunst's defense. If he had come out yesterday and not really and kind of hewed to, like, uh, not really say much, people would be ripping him for that today, too. Well, it would have been the best for, for him saying, just to take the high road instead of getting down in the muck, you know? But on the other hand, like, okay, we say take the high road, but everybody wants well, here's our, the thing, Brian, our leaders to say something of merit. That would have been right? on par for every GM's course, though, just to take the high road and not say anything. Like, that's what they always do, you know? That's like, that would have been the, on the one hand, I On the one hand, I agree with you, Evil. On the other, I say every man has his limits to how Oh, yeah. I'm glad he did. I, I guarantee you, Brian Goodwin's like, I'm sick of this punk, like, talking to me and the Packers brass, and we aren't, haven't said anything. I bet you he's like, all right, I'm just going to do because, it. F it. I mean, it's a dirty business, and you're talking hundreds of millions of dollars. This isn't like yeah. uh, your summer landscaping job here where the guys are just kind of like. Oh, they, 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 they talk smack, too. They talk smack, too. Yeah. Just on a lower stakes level. Are a lot, <laughs> the stakes are a lot higher in this case is what I'm saying. That's you're the, not talking about putting stakes into some sod uh, to keep it down? <laughs> and yeah. the Eagles are a lot more prevalent. <laughs> yeah. Go I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. say one last thing. You yeah. notice who's not said anything? The flower. Oh, he's too busy doing his eyebrows. I think he's crying somewhere off in the corner. We want him back so bad. (laughs) We want him back. We want him back. Oh, God. Corey. He's gone now. We love you, Have a good day, guys. Take it easy. You know, to kind of tie a bow on this conversation with Major League Baseball, if I was going to cheat and I played back in the 
late 80s when I guess steroids probably just started getting into baseball or documented into baseball. I don't think I would use anabolic steroids. And my reason being is you can get as big and as jacked up as you want to. And obviously it helps you hit the ball farther, clearly. But you still have to hit the baseball. Like you still have to have the hand-eye coordination to hit that baseball, whether it's a, you know, 95 mile an hour fastball or, you know, like a nasty curveball or nice nasty slider, whatever. If I was going to cheat, I would have used amphetamines. I I would have used the greens, Uh, you know. That's the one that actually helps you see the baseball. That actually helps with your hand-eye coordination. I think those are worse than than steroids. Using steroids just lets you hit the ball farther. I'll take the test, the D-ball, the trenadrol, and and the greenies. Give me them all. Amphetamines actually help your hand-eye. Give me all the roids and amphetamines. Wisco Sports Show, Grant Bills. Very animated, Grant Bills. Good morning, Grant Bills. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. How could you not be animated on a day like today? This is <laughs> nuts. We got a, a he said, she said on our hands. Nice well, back and forth. Rowdy? How could you not be animated on a day like today? Well, is Rowdy not animated? No. He is no. I, he is. I, I'm to the point where I just want it traded. I... I and, I want the divorce to... I'm the child that wants mom and dad to finally split. It makes it tough to talk about this topic on the show sometimes, Grant. I'm, yeah, I'm sorry, Rowdy. I didn't realize you were going through it. This job is it is hard sometimes. There's two different versions of going through it. There's the Rowdy going through it where he just doesn't want to talk about it. <laughs> and then there's you, Grant, which uh, you said off air. is like, why the F are you calling me soft over this topic? I'm not calling you soft per se. I'm uh, I'm looking at your Twitter. He's just calling your ideas soft. I don't know. Like, <laughs> is it displaced anger? Like, you're getting a lot of like crazy replies on Twitter. Are you are you have displaced anger towards me over this? Um, I feel no. like you're. Are you Team Goody on this? Well, I okay. I 100 percent believe what Goody says. I'm wondering why he needed to say it because I feel like this. I feel like the situation was calmed down. Right, Rowdy will probably agree. We knew where everyone stood. The Packers want to move on. Aaron Rodgers' intention is to play for the Jets. Everything is nice. We're not having a back-and-forth Brett Favre beef. Okay. And then Goody at the NFL meetings yesterday felt the need to set the record straight. And I like, I 100% believe him. Maybe you don't. That's just it's my two cents. I believe that that's how it went down. I just wonder what the benefit was to saying it. Because now I feel like Rodgers is going to be ticked. And he might have a rebuttal. And it's yes. going to get ugly, and maybe yes. that makes the trade harder. Or maybe he gets mad at the Packers and all of a sudden pulls a Brett Favre and doesn't want to be a part of the, the Packers anymore. So, have, right. you, have you ever believed the GM when they're up on the podium speaking? Yes. Yes, 100%. Like, Cause GM, normally GMs don't say anything. Like they don't. Goody said something yesterday. He doesn't say all of that unless it's true and unless he has a reason to say it. I'm trying to figure out what the reason is. Do you believe is, politicians when they speak? That's not the same. It's not? That's not the same. It's not? No, it's not. Not the same. I'm trying to think of the newest one. It was before Carson Wentz was traded. Uh, The Philadelphia Eagles GM was up there, and he's like, we love Carson Wentz. He's our guy. Our futures are with him. And then literally the next day, he was shipped off. Or, or caught or whatever that's a, it was. Uh, that's about it. That's Ted about Thompson, Mike that's McCarthy, Ted business. Thompson, like the quarterback room is exactly where we want it. And as they said that they wanted everyone, they keep everyone they had in the room. They're trying to get Brian Hoyer from the Patriots. Like yeah, when the, that's when that's a person in a suit is talking, it's usually there's an ounce of truth to it, and then the rest is just kind of a lie to spin their own narrative. And I, I believe Brian Gutekunst 
has some sheds of truth to what he says, but I also think he's spinning as well. I I don't I don't understand Goody saying a little bit of truth and then making some of it up. Like I don't I don't I don't think that's necessary. I get what you're saying about certain things that GMs say. This was not a run of the mill GM press conference. A run of the mill GM press conference yesterday would have been for Goody to say this is an, an ongoing situation. Right, we're not going to talk about a player who's in trade talks, right, and just deflect, deflect, deflect. He's like, yeah, this is what went down. I, I don't see any reason he would have to lie. What I'm trying to figure out is the reason he had to drop this bombshell, and that's why I'm arguing with people on Twitter, Evo. <laughs> I thought this was unnecessary, and Packers fans were like, good for Goody, spending up. Oh, he stuff. looks very bad. He looks a, very bad. He looks a, very bad. Having a set of nuts. And I'm like, what? But that doesn't do anything for the Packers. You know what I mean? Goody's job is to not win some public, you know, war of words it's not the wwe it's a football team i don't want goody in a back and forth with a former quarterback i want him building a good team so yeah I, he looks he looks bad on my butt on Twitter. he looks bad in the situation i agree with you on it grant he looks bad in the situation of it like i'm glad he said it because it's awesome to talk about but at the same time it's like what are you doing like all you have to all you have to do is say the same crap you always say in front of a podium like jordan loves yeah. our guy we wish aaron Rodgers the best i uh, can't wait to see what love brings to the team in 2023 like that's, that's literally well, all you're gonna say like Goody must believe and and think that Rodgers has said things about the Packers that aren't true, and he's getting frustrated with how he's being discussed. And, and maybe that's part of it, right? Like the public narrative around the Packers has gotten bad because of some of the things that Rodgers has said. So Goody feels like he needs to correct that. I, I get that. But exactly, Evo, say the same thing you always say, just let it go. Even if Rodgers is the most massive pain in the butt and, and he's lying about stuff, and he, just let it go because that's what a GM should do, right? The yeah. GM is the adult. Yeah. The GM's the job is to do what's best for the football team. I don't know if this was necessarily best for the Packers, even though it's kind of funny and it's very entertaining. I, I don't know if it's the best thing for the Packers. So, Grant, um, enough about the Aaron Rodgers saga. Uh, I'm, I hope we get a rebuttal from one Brian or uh, Aaron Rodgers coming up here because it would be phenomenal. Um, yeah. Have you come around to the NIT yet? Uh, I know you've been fighting that tooth and nail as well. Uh, have you come around? You're going to watch that at six o'clock after the Wisco Sports Show. The Badgers hopefully oh, yeah. knock on wood, beating North Texas. I kind of like the schedule of the NIT. I like how it's like the NFL. Like you win a game and then you get to revel in it for a week. Like March Madness is brutal because <laughs> you win one day and it's like in two days you got to play again, so you have no time to savor. Right? The NIT they spread this baby out, so we can win a nice tournament game against Oregon and then we can talk about it and, and have it on you know in the front of our mind for a week i don't know i'm gonna watch i'm not buying t-shirts it works out nicely because it's 32 teams starts before the ncaa tournament's first four and ends before the final four yeah yeah i'm uh i like the basketball don't get me wrong not hating on the kids good for them they're getting more time in their season to grow and, and all those things. I just, I don't know. I'm it's not, not going to lose my mind yeah. over it. It's not NIT. where you want to be. Well, no. well obviously. It's, it's, but you're going to make the best of, a, of the worst, the the best season, of worst situation. Closing Grant. the season with five wins True. is still awesome you know. to see. And hell, all these guys could yeah. be back. Then you, all of a sudden you got a team that's gelled even more and learn how to win a little bit. And I would love to go out to Orleans Arena in Las Vegas, but the tickets are hmm, hmm, a little expensive. Grant, you want to go, Evo? I would love to. I, yes, I do. In fact, I was looking at tickets for Vegas, but in July. Um, so I, I may or may not have gotten some plane tickets uh, in the works for that, but that's in July. I, so <laughs> I almost just 20 seconds really quick. I'm sure you got to sure go. I almost drunk bought tickets to see Future 
Oh. Sunday night at Pfizer Forum on Saturday night. Me and a buddy were a couple beers deep, and we're like, let's just see how much the tickets cost. How, how much could they be? They're like 80 bucks. We almost bought them. I'm so glad that I didn't, although it would have been a good time. <laughs> when was when was Future? on sat- The Saturday that just happened? You know, he played Sunday night at oh. Pfizer Forum oh. with, like, Don Tolliver. He played for less than an hour, I read yesterday. Morning, oh, oh yeah, dude. Like, oh, I saw Lil Wayne at the Orpheum a couple of years ago. He played. He was on stage for an hour, but he probably performed for 45 minutes. I'm going to Weezy. Yeah. Lil Wayne's coming up here, God. It's in like two Saturdays, I think, is when I'm going again. But here at the Sylvie, so I'll, I'll report back to how long the he's on. We're stage. gonna need a a full concert review after that one. I actually look forward to that. That should be interesting. I can tell you right now, it's gonna be a lot of marijuana smoke, um, a medley of all his big hits, and then he's gone. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, and Grant, before that you go, before we um, speak next, the baseball will already be underway. How are we feeling about opening day on Thursday, my man? I'm feeling excited. This team has a couple of those, those young bats. Right, like Bryce Terang is going to be fun to watch, and we'll see what Garrett Mitchell has in his, in his first full season. So, I think maybe the Brewers got a little stale last year because they were so good in 2021, and then they essentially brought back the same team last year and just tried to do it over again. And they were good until they, you know, traded Josh Hader and shot themselves in the foot. Mm. But this year, there's some new faces, and we I think have some new intrigue. So I'm excited to watch Mitchell and Terang and Joey Weimer is going to be up at some point. So I'm looking forward to that. And you know what? I'll give the Brewers a little credit. Their social media has been collecting some W's. Their good videos yesterday. Twitter has been, yeah, they had good videos yesterday, good tweets. I like the behind-the-scenes stuff. I like all the things they're doing that um, help us get to know some of these young guys. So I- I'm excited about the Brewers. I think this season will probably be torturous and just so painful in certain moments, but I don't care. I'm going to love it and eat it up and enjoy every second anyways. Uh, oh, and Grant, before I let you go, uh, John Mayer's Say is playing underneath you, by the way. It's on our good Kunst. Ooh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to see him Saturday, Evo. Oh, this is an honor of Gouda Kunst. Say what you need to say. Well, Grant, I need you. Two grown men are finally working through their feelings while talking. I need you to say what you need to say very quickly about the Milwaukee Bucks. Will they hold on to that number one seed with what seven games remaining? This week is interesting because you got a back-to-back going into the Celtics game. They rested Giannis and Drew last night. Well, actually, Drew, he's away from the team for personal reasons. That's a little concerning, but great month of March, great momentum, and the one seed is everything. They need to get a depot. Grant, will you be talking about Aaron Rodgers and Brian Gudukas tonight on the Wisco Sports Show? Yeah, I think so. But we'll do we'll do a nuanced job. We're not going to lose our minds, Evo. Don't worry about us. I think we'll be okay. Grant, we save losing our minds to Twitter. We love you, brother. <laughs> I do believe Limp Biscuit Fred Durst once said, it's all about the he said, she said, bullish. Uh, I think that song was about Brian Gutekunst and Aaron Rodgers. As Goody at the NFL's annual meeting yesterday, uh, spilling the beans, uh, about Rodgers, basically saying that they tried to contact him. Uh, his camp wasn't returning any phone calls, and when they did, finally, he said they wanted to be traded to the New York Jets. And uh, Goody, uh, you know, telling his side of the story, I'm sure there's a lot of truth to it, but also I feel like he's probably spinning his own narrative, just like the same as Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is telling his truth, and then also spinning his narrative. Aaron Rodgers, a guy that never really spoke much of his career, um, would kind of just you know lay in the weeds and let people say things, and then he would never retort. Now with the Pat McAfee show and uh, the past couple of years, Rodgers has been a whole new man, you know, basically trying to control his narrative. And he's out there saying things. Now Goody 
eventually, I think, had enough. And that's what you heard yesterday of him talking about Rodgers, like, not responding to anything. And here's the other part about it all that uh, kind of been swept under the rug. Gutekunst doesn't even want a first-round pick for it, according to him. Uh, he wants fair market trade, but n- not necessarily a first-round pick, which is uh, pretty wild. So I, obviously both parties want to move on, uh, but still being hung up with the trade and the compensation with the New York Jets. Uh, Rowdy, you said um, when you weren't fighting the topic a little bit, you had an idea of this, though, something you want to talk about. Well... Uh, when I hear the clips, do I think some of the things Brian Gutekunst is saying holds water? I do. Do I think some of the things that Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show holds water? I do. Clearly, like you kind of just mentioned, there's Brian Gutekunst's truth, there's Aaron Rodgers' truth, and then there's the actual capital T truth. <laughs> and it seems like it's somewhere in the middle here. Yeah. Now... When I look at this from a Brian Gutekunst perspective or a front office perspective, don't you think when you are at this level, because you, let's go back and look at Brian Gutekunst's history. This isn't a guy that really spent his time going from organization to organization, cutting his teeth, you know, four years with the Rams, three no, years no. with the, the Ravens. He's basically been a Packer guy since he started came up he he came up with the Packers he worked his way up through the organization and then when Ted Thompson uh was basically stepped down or was asked to step down he was the guy that gets hired he's only been with one team basically his entire life now I'm sure he's got connections with other teams just based on you know being a scout originally out there in the field, you know talking to other scouts and you know I'm sure he knows people, but it's a little bit different in my opinion than actually being in those organizations, actually working with those people. So my number one thing thinking as a GM would be, I would be all about my job security, right? Because he's reached the pinnacle. Yeah, he, he cannot. This is it. He cannot go any higher in his in his career. Oh yeah, you run like, an NFL organization. That that is the peak. If you want to be an owner, which I don't see him being an owner. And he does. He'll never have the money. Yeah, to he be doesn't an have owner. the money. But he has Sorry, reached the peak you. when it comes to uh, reaching the heights of his his career. He yeah. is the GM. He makes good money. Oh yeah. He's not going to find a job in his career path that will make him more money than what he's currently doing. My number one thing for Brian Gutekunst would be, once you think job security, you know, I kind of like this gig. I've reached where I want to be. I want to stay here. I want to make good money. I want to put a good team out there. I want to win a Super Bowl, all that. Now, the way he goes about keeping his job security is obviously putting a good team out there, filling out a good roster, trying to win a championship. Obviously doing that would go a long ways in in keeping his job with the Packers for long term. I'm sitting here thinking about it from like the Brian Gutekunst perspective. And one way I feel like he could have easily prolonged his career is going down with the ship with Aaron Rodgers. Totally. You'd think about he'd get probably well, he'd get probably another year with Aaron. If he would have kissed Aaron Rodgers' ass the way that Aaron Rodgers wanted his ass kissed, he could have elongated out this Aaron Rodgers Green Bay Packers career this upcoming year, maybe depending on Rodgers another year, maybe a third year. And then you could use him as a scapegoat at the end, too, saying it's Aaron Rodgers. This is a Packer royalty. 
What do you want me to do? Exactly. He could say, well, I went down with the ship with one of the best Green Bay Packers to ever play, mm-hmm. one of the best quarterbacks to ever come through the NFL. You know, we maxed out our credit cards. We went all the way up to yep. zero on the salary cap. We tried our darndest to win a Super Bowl with one of the better quarterbacks to ever play. And the Rodgers didn't get it done. And Yeah, and we didn't get it done. You know what? We tried our best. You know, the next one to three years, we did that. Yep. Then he could have drafted, you know, another quarterback in the next year or two. Mm-hmm. Had them sit behind Aaron Rodgers and groom them to be the next quarterback. And then you could sell it to the fans as, hey, we went all in with Rodgers. We tried that. No one wanted to move on from this great of a quarterback. Now give us two to three years to try and rebuild. You know, we got to unmax our credit card. We got to pay our credit card bills. We got to, you know, kind of reset the roster. He could have probably bought himself another five years as the GM. Totally. Now, with this move... Him and Matt LaFleur have put themselves on the clock. Like Jordan Love was the guy that they went up and traded to uh, traded for. They're going to make him the starting quarterback. Jordan Love has to be good. Has to if, be. if Jordan Love is not, you know, top 12 quarterback in the league, this is going to blow up in Gutekunst's face. It's going to blow up in LaFleur's face. And everyone's going to scream, why did you move yeah. on from Aaron Rodgers? Especially if Aaron Rodgers comes out, plays well for the Jets, and plays another one, two, or three years, and plays at a top 10 level. People are going to scream, and that's going to affect his job security. No doubt about it. Yeah, they've hitched their wagon to the Jordan Love train. Now, watching the banter back and forth between Gutekunst in the media and Rodgers in the media, I'm... I totally get that the NFL is a business. I 100% understand Bill Belichick's line of thinking, which it feels like is also the Packers' line of thinking. I would rather move on from a player a year early than a year too late, Mm -hmm. especially a player that is commanding $60 million against the cap. That's a huge hit. Like, Think about how many great players at other positions you can get for $60 million. It's a lot. <laughs> a lot like, like a lot of top-end players. Like you think about the best receivers out there making $20 million. You think about, you know, you could probably get three other players at the top, like arguably the best at their position, and throw them out there for $60 million. Now, obviously, you can't do that with quarterback because that's the quarterback market. Yeah. But you you could do a lot with that money. So I get wanting to move on a year early than being dragged down a year late to that type of money. But where I, I feel like this is starting to to come to is listening to Aaron Rodgers talk about how he didn't really like the front office. It's not the same old uh, front office that was there when he was drafted or even in the middle of his career. Uh, it, it seems like he does not like Mark Murphy. He did not yeah, you don't, you don't like, like the triangle of power that Mark Murphy set up. I honestly don't really like it either. I feel like Mark Murphy, you do your job to make money as the president. You let the GM do his job. You let the coach do their jobs and you let the quarterback do his job. And if all three of them kind of want to meet to get on the same page, I get that. But having the triangle of power with Russ Ball, Brian Gutekunst, Mark Murphy, and then I guess you'd throw LaFleur in there, yeah. and everyone has to report to Mark Murphy, it's, it's, I, I don't like that either. 
He's not the GM. They did that under Ted Thompson and Mike McCarthy when Ted was starting to fail in health. And I think Mark Murphy got the power and didn't want to give it up anymore. He's like, I'm having Now, where I hope this hasn't went, but it almost seems like it has went there, is we know football's a business. Aaron Rodgers knows football's a business. And Brian Gutekunst knows football is a business. I look at this from Rodgers' perspective, and I go, well, I'm aging Maybe I'm not quite as good as what I was when I was at my peak power, but when healthy, I still believe I'm a top five quarterback. I see that the team that I'm currently on has maxed out their credit cards, and this would be the last legit year that I firmly believe this Packer team with this roster and salary cap wise would have at winning a Super Bowl. Next year, they're probably going to have to start cutting good players like the Bakhtiaris of the world. Maybe Devondre Campbells or the Rasul Doug, like those type of players. Those are glue guys, right? Like you need those type of players to be a championship level team. If you replace them with lesser players, which is looking like they're probably going to have to do after next season, your odds of winning the Super Bowl go way down. So, So back to this year upcoming, He's looking around saying, you know, I I see the Eagles are quite good, even though they've lost a lot. The 49ers are still loaded. Dallas has some talent. Like, you can go, the the Lions are obviously starting to really build up on talent and picks. Like, you're seeing all these other teams that are either ahead of you or on the come up. And you're kind of the older aging roster that's making a lot of money, definitely on the decline. He's probably sitting there going, if I'm a top five quarterback, and we get some of these guys to hit, and Goody drafts pretty well. Even if all of those things align, I don't know if we're still a top-four team in the NFC. Right. And then if we are a top-four team in the NFC, we still have to get by like the 49ers and teams like that. And then if we do, then we have to get to the Super Bowl and beat, I don't know, the Bengals, the Bills, the Chiefs, insert any really good team in the AFC. Then he looks at the Jets where, you know, they're an up-and-coming young roster. They got a mm-hmm. lot of picks. They got salary caps. He can win there. Yeah. And, and good if he does have a little bit of, of you know, angst against Matt LaFleur and some of these guys, he can go play with some of his, you know, his, some of the guys he likes with Nathaniel Hackett, bring some of the guys that will be glue guys, end-of-the-roster veterans because they have space. Mm-hmm. He'd be there with his friends, and he could win, potentially win a Super Bowl with Matt LaFleur's best friend yeah, and he could stick, stick it, it in his him. face saying I, guess what I went to a better team with a better coach and that better coach happens to be your best friend yeah, and they gave me say of the roster to a degree so I see Aaron, but Aaron Rodgers didn't want to come out and straight up say that because it looks bad to the Packer fans Goody didn't want to come out and say that because it looks bad from the organization saying that they're getting rid of your yeah, one of your better players pissing match now all, in public And that's what I hope it didn't get to, but it feels like it got to, and it feels like it's become personal. Now, Rodgers, the ball is in your court. It's time for the rebuttal to uh, Brian Gutekunst. I don't know. Rodgers would probably say something that tells some kind of line. When it becomes personal, it's not good for the organization. It's not good for the individual player. It's obviously, like you say, it's a pissing match. You're going for each other's throat. It doesn't look good. And in a a business like the the NFL... It has to be about business. It can't be personal. When it becomes personal, it's ugly. Opening day, Thursday. Oh, God. Feels good. Got the Badgers tonight in the NIT's Final Four. It's North Texas. But Rowdy, some uh, some players making the squad yesterday. The Brewers had some pretty cool videos uh, popping out. I wanted to play a couple of them because they're uh, definitely a, a cool, feel-good story. Uh, up first... 
Now, Gus Bus, this is the guy that's coming in for Wisconsin basketball next year, but also is Gus Varland, a.k.a. the Gus Bus for the Milwaukee Brewers. What do you know about this guy, the Gus Bus Varland? For the crew. Yeah, Gus, Gus Varland was with the Dodgers. He was actually in the MLB Rule 5 draft where the Milwaukee Brewers selected him, which means if you're a Rule 5 selection, you have to be on the roster mm-hmm. or there is the ability for the other teams to grab you off of waivers. Snatch Therefore, ya. especially with some of the things you heard Craig Council and the front office talking about, you know, this relatively questionable bullpen. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of spots up for grabs in this bullpen because name another guy in the bullpen, not named Devin Williams. (laughs) That is a solid major league caliber, consistent performer. God, there isn't one. Well, how about, how about this? We had a bad, uh, the negative of the front office of the Packers. Here's the positive of the front office of the Milwaukee Brewers, Uh, Craig council uh, sitting down with Matt Arnold. Take a listen to, Gus Bus, Gus Varland soaking in and uh, hearing that he'd made the team. Gus, what's up? Hey, man, what's up? How are you doing? Good. What's up? Good work. Bring him into the office. Close the door here. You had a great camp. Thank you. You had a great camp. Really, really good. Um, you made the team. Thank you so much. Congratulations. Congrats, man. Nice going. Nice going. Little man and brace. Little man Council and yes. Arnold. Pretty done either. Oh, <laughs> I can't talk. Oh, I just need to suck this in for a second. Yeah, sit down and soak it in, man. That's just so much. <laughs> the last two years, battling through it, so many sleepless nights. I cannot believe that this opportunity arose, and I just, oh my god. I'm just so grateful, especially in this like area, like second closest part to my town. Oh, you got family in Milwaukee. It's, it's too perfect, you know. Yeah. <sighs> so there's a there's a cool feel good story for Gus Bus Varlin, Rowdy. But yeah, I wasn't super surprised to see him make it just because he was that Rule Five pick, and they could have potentially lost him. And we know that. Matt Arnold is a disciple of David Stearns, one of his closer guys that when he got the job in Milwaukee, he brought on Arnold and kind of helped groom him all the way up through the organization. So, you know, he's probably what you would consider a Stearns guy. Mm -hmm. And Stearns had that same type of uh, strategy where it's, you know, if they have options or if, if they are potentially able to be grabbed, we're going to try and keep as many guys on this roster as possible. So it wasn't super surprising, especially when, like I said, Council and Arnold were talking about him where he, he got hit pretty hard at the beginning of spring, but they said he went back, worked on some things, and he was really starting to to come into his own and his strikeout rates went through the roof the second half of spring training so that one not as surprising yeah the next one was a cool video they posted yesterday bryce terang the moment he found out he's making the big leagues that's pretty what's up come on sit down nervous yeah so you left us with a tough decision i told you that yesterday man you gave us a tough tough call and um you know they they always tell me when you're going to deliver bad news, just spit it out. Mm-hmm. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to option you to Chicago. <laughs> I 
Congratulations. Thank you. The blonde pregnant pause nice soaking in. Nice going. Thank you. That before you hit it, man. Thank you. Congrats. I appreciate the chance. I'm just kind of you earned it, man. Up. You earned it, right? That's the thing, man. That's how the game works, man. You got to earn it, right? Yeah. You earned it 100%. All right? What do you got to do? Sit down. Deep breath, buddy. <laughs> Sit, <it>. Relax. <laughs> Does, does Craig Council kind of sound like Barry Richter a little bit? Well, how about the how about the lead-in where he goes, <laughs> yeah. you know, when I have bad news, they say the best thing to do is just spit it out. We've decided to option <laughs> you to Chicago, which clearly that's where opening day yeah, is for the big league. Regular. But normally if someone's going to tell you we're optioning you somewhere, yeah. you're going down. Yeah, what we're, op- we're optioning you to uh, Chicago, a.k.a. you've made the opening day roster, baby. Bryce Terang, welcome aboard. And... Weirdly enough, this one isn't super surprising either. They made that trade for Colton Wong with Jesse Winker. Obviously, Jesse Winker is an outfielder and more specifically probably a DH for the Brewers. And it left a hole open at second base. Bryce Terrain came up as a shortstop. Uh, also learned to play second base, third base, and even a little bit of center field in uh, Nashville. So he's a guy that's versatile. He's a guy that two years ago reached AAA and started kind of getting his feet wet at AAA. Last year, he had a full year at AAA, played quite well, and showed that he clearly was progressing and and chomping at the bit to get to the big leagues. So once again, he might have been towards the end of the roster. The one thing I hope for Bryce Terang is that they get him in the lineup. That they more, that they didn't pop. just they didn't just bring him up as this young 22, 23 year old kid to have him sit on the bench and be utility. Get him in the lineup right away. Get him at bats yeah. because you don't want a high top five prospect to sit there, kind of what they did to Keston Hira, and play a little bit, then sit on the bench. Play like he's yeah. got to get consistent playing time. And I think the fact that he is versatile and can play all those positions and the fact that Luis Arias can play short, second, or third. Uh, Owen Miller, a guy that also made the roster, he was one of the last guys to make the roster. He can play first, second, third, corner, outfield. A lot of the guys, Mike Brasso can play third. He can play corner. Like They're very versatile, so they can all kind of play around. They're going to try and get him at bats. Yeah, We'll talk more of the Bruce roster coming up against break. Got to sneak this in. Line four. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, can you hear me? I can hear you, baby. Hey, hey. So I got a joke, and I promise it's appropriate. Y'all had me nervous for a little bit when I turned on the radio. It sounded like I had the Brewers version of the casting couch playing. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what it looks like, by the way, in the uh, videos they posted. I I was going to say this is like it looks like a casting couch situation. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Good morning. That's funny. Nope. Gone. Nope. Made the cast. All right. Dipped. Made the casting couch. Smoking dipped. When we're talking about some of the guys that made the team or didn't make the team, I would have been way more surprised if a Joey Weimer or a Sal Freelich made the team. Two guys that were just absolutely killing it the last couple of years in the minors. They're both top end prospects. And Joey Weimer, it came down to him and Owen Miller for the last spot on the roster. I would have been much more surprised if they actually would have had the balls to bring one of those two up. Yeah, Sal Freelich, what, Rowdy, uh, re- uh, reassigned to minor league camp. Um... See, the thing with those two is they had just reached AAA last year in like the last month or so, and 
well, Sal Freelich absolutely killed double A and even killed triple A in his month, month and a half. Joey Weimer showed steady progression. I think for both of them, because Garrett Mitchell is, is a little bit ahead of them. If you remember correctly, in 2020, Garrett Mitchell was actually their first round pick. So he got to come in and work in the the simulated games. Remember, they didn't have mm-hmm. minor leagues. Joey Weimer, we actually got him in on it. I got him on for an interview in 2020. Yeah, he's more on air. He was like a, I think he was the fifth round pick. He was the guy that was sitting at his mom and dad's porch because he didn't know what the hell was going on mm-hmm. because he wasn't a top pick to get to the, you know, basically what your, where your triple A team was hanging out practicing just in case people got hurt or whatever or came down with COVID. He didn't get to do anything in 2020. And then Mitchell obviously got to jump head first into 2021 and was at a higher level. So he, he's probably about a year ahead of the other two. And it makes sense. He's probably going to be your center fielder. I think the Brewers want to see at least somewhat close to a full season for Freelick and Weimer at the AAA level since they only hit it for about a month, month and a half last year. Yeah. All right. So uh, Brewers opening day right around the way. You getting excited, folks? And heavens forbid if they brought them up early and they struggled or they brought them up early and started their service time. Because you know they don't want to pay them. No. Oh, no. Brewers are paying people? No, 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 no. Who's getting ready Thursday? The weather report not looking the greatest, though. Get a roof, Chicago. Unbelievable. And, yes, that uh, was not a casting couch uh, Brewers version. It was just them congratulating guys that they made the team. I don't know about the guys that they didn't make it. They didn't post those, but, yeah. All right, we'll come right back. Well, when they didn't make it, that's when you bring in a guy that somewhat resembles Jonah Hill. And you get... When you don't and they it, say, well, you've been optioned to Nashville. We were talking a little bit uh, about a half hour ago about the Brewers and their relief pitchers. as Gus Bus Varland, uh, you know, the Rule 5 guy, is on the team. And then we were talking off her a little bit, and you had said, some, not named Devin Williams, who is the most tenured Milwaukee Brewer out of the bullpen? Well, not even tenured, but just Major League Baseball experience in the bullpen where they've had solid seasons, they have ability, they've been there, done that. And right now, when you look at the bullpen, it's basically Devin Williams. Now, when I scroll through all the names and what they've done and where they're at in their career, there's only one other guy that you can really throw up there as a veteran that's been there, done that. And he's had a very sporadic career. He was in prison for a while. That's Matt effing Bush. Matt Bush. Matt effing Bush, a guy who... uh... I do believe he attacked someone's car with a bat, uh, attacked someone at a strip joint on stage, and he also did a couple other things that landed him in prison. Now, Matt Bush is 37 years old. That kind of guy. But that's a young 37 on his arm. He's not a relief pitcher that's you know been in the minors for a decade, pitching for a decade now, and he's been around for, you know, 15, 20 years. That's a younger arm because of the prison stint, because of some of the things that he's done to himself. His arm is younger than his actual age when you talk about mileage. And we can't confirm or deny that he was in the Florida Penal League playing baseball. I, I didn't see any stats of it, that, though. So. so now that we got the two most established bullpen arms for the Brewers, Williams and, and Bush, just go right down the list and look at some of the other guys. You have Javi Guerra. Okay, he spent parts of major league seasons. And no one would ever confuse him as being a seventh, eighth, ninth inning guy. 
You have Hobie Milner, who probably is coming off of his best year, but we know what he is. He's more of a lefty specialist that more of a junk baller. He doesn't throw hard. You're not going to put him in a legit eighth, seventh inning type role. Then you have, I still have to work on this name, Joel Piemps. Piemps. I, I don't think I'm saying that right, but that's another guy that has some abilities, had parts of multiple well, you know, seasons. You know how we do around leagues. here. The better you get, the more we're going to learn your name. So once he proves himself more, then he'll learn He was name. one of the guys in the trades that they made over the offseason, but not super, not a super established Pimes? guy that has a, a big-time major league career. Peter Strezlecki, who was a young guy last year that came up, pitched quite well for the Milwaukee Brewers. And then you have Gus Varland, Justin Wilson, who is an older relief pitcher that, again, he's also in his mid to late 30s. He's not even going to be ready for the first half of the season, they believe. And then Bryce Wilson, a guy that has pitched for the Pirates, has been in and around the NL Central, but again, has only ever been, you know, a lesser starting pitcher or a lesser relief pitcher. So there's not. And then when you look at their 40 man, you have other guys that are kind of in the same boat, maybe younger players that haven't necessarily excelled at the big league level, but have some potential, have some wipeout uh, pitches like a slider or, or whatever, but it's not a ton of, all right, well, we're looking, here's our nine. Uh, Clearly. I think it's Devin Williams is your ninth inning guy. And then your seventh and eighth right now is probably Bush and Strezlecki, which is quite a bit different than what you had the last few years with Hader, Williams, and Boxberger. Ooh, that was nice, wasn't it? So it's quite the drop-off. So where I'm getting at with this is what we talked about off-air is this bullpen is a huge question mark. I think the bullpen is the biggest question mark on this entire roster. When I look at the roster, starting pitching is is as deep, if not deeper, than it was in 2021 and 2022. Hopefully they just don't have the catastrophic injury after injury. The batters on this team, it's relatively close to what they had in 2021, 2022. But I would even argue that this team might even have more depth overall to the to the hitters. The, the big question, and if if do if some of those hitters do struggle, they do have some young big time prospects that if they want to start their service time early, they could potentially bring up and see what they got. So I'm not as worried about the the hitters or the starting pitching. It's the bullpen, and it's basically the bullpen not named Devin Williams. But this is what we got to: if you have a lesser bullpen where you are kind of questioning who your eighth, who your seventh, and maybe who some of these other guys are going to fill in in the bullpen outside of Devin Williams. We know that Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, uh, Eric Lauer, Adrian Hauser, even Wade Miley, they're all basically on one-year contracts, whether that's actually a signed one-year contract or it's a arbitration year. All those guys not named Wade Miley are basically – down to their last year with the Brewers. Because if they don't sign them to an extension, their contracts are up after the 2024 season, which isn't the end of this year, but next year. You know that the Milwaukee Brewers are not just going to let Corbin Burns or Brandon Woodruff or any of those good pitchers just walk for nothing. They're clearly either going to extend them or they're going to trade them. And I think as Brewer fans, and if you pay attention... It doesn't look like there's too much extension talks going on with some of these high end. So you basically know you have them for this last year. 
We know the bullpen's questionable. Very Are we questionable. finally going to actually get to see Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Eric Lauer, some of these guys get to go deeper into games? Are we going to see pitchers pitch? Because of this questionable bullpen, I say you just might. Are we finally going to see pitchers pitch? Because you know you, you got to use what? them. You got to ride the horse. They only got one year. It's like CC Sabathia in Milwaukee. You ride that horse until it dies. We have a bullpen that's in question. We have bona fide starters. Are we going to let them go out of the fourth inning? Are they going to get to the fifth, the sixth? God forbid, maybe the seventh. Good morning, Ben Kenny. How are we doing? I'll today? tell you this real quick. If nope, they go, sorry, sorry, if ben. they make it to the playoffs, and you have a healthy Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, and Freddie Peralta, and this bullpen is middle <laughs> of the road at best. Outside of Devin Williams, my God, if Craig Council pulls any of them in the fourth inning like he did Peralta against the Braves in 2021, we riot. He pulled Hauser from a perfect game or a known hitter. Good morning, Ben Kenny. You ride the horse until it died and then bring up CeCe Sabathia as an example. Well, that horse died. Now for the Brewers. I mean, he reached a point where he was probably pitching too much and then got rocked in the post. Yeah, like 10 years later. Dude, they played the Phillies. Oh, the, I'm just saying. The listen, Phillies listen, were loaded then. That team that hasn't happened yet. Then the the bullpen for the Brewers suspect. I I'm not disagreeing. Bonafide starters. We are getting pre mad about something that hasn't happened. Well, history. If Ben, if you don't study history, you're doomed to repeat itself. And we're not getting mad. What's we're the history just, of the Brewers? We're pointing out the facts. I've never been happier. Could this be a year where we actually get to see the top three or four starters go deep into games? Now because you would be mad about that, Ben. I think starters they go deep. do go deep into games, just not in the first three weeks of the season. Fourth inning is not. You deep. guys lose your mind off the second start each of them make when it goes five innings. They're building themselves up. How many did they miss the game? Uh, the playoffs by. Just think if they would have let the starters what, go two? a little early in the season. I, yeah, that was definitely the difference last year with that team. No, it wasn't. It's the fact the bullpen couldn't get outs for the last three months. Or they traded Josh Hader. Exactly, <laughs> which which go hand in hand. <laughs> I think the team's going to be good. I'm excited. See, I think this could be a year where we actually see them ride some of these guys because they know they're not coming back, and yeah. they know they're all in for this year, and all of them are getting shipped out. Give me a giddy-up, Ben. Let's go, baby. Cool. Give me a giddy-up. And you know what? Giddy-up. Yeah. It's not going to be good for Corbin Burns maybe signing long term. But use you know him and abuse him. You know he's not going to say no. You already saw him and Woody fighting when getting pulled out. This is clearly the year to do it. Every one of those pitchers should have a max of 200 pitches a game every time they start. Use him and abuse him. I want him to pitch until their arms fall off. I don't want to do this. The Brewers today. aren't going to have him after this, this season year. This season hasn't started. You ride, you ride him. You ride him. Cool. You ride that. Come on, cowboy. Giddy up. 